Hi, this is Erica Bogan. Thank you for listening to the I Am Spartan podcast with Scott Knowles. Scott the Fane Knowles, and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR Podcast. What's up, everybody? Got an awesome interview here. Uh, Jessica Shepard is going to tell us all about how she is crushing OCR, how she placed in Masters this past weekend at Savage Maryland, and how she's also placed a lead at a couple of races in Charlotte as well. Uh, I recapped Killington and West Virginia, and I had it as an intro thinking it would only take me like five minutes to do it, and I ended up rambling for like 22 minutes. So instead of having that as an intro, I put it at the end of the interview. So if you want to hear me ramble about those two races, uh, it'll be after the interview instead of in front of the interview because I didn't want everybody to listen to me ramble before the interview with Jess because it was a good interview. But anyway, here's the interview with Jessica Shepard. Jessica Shepard, how are you doing today? I am doing lovely. How are you doing, Scott? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. It's been a long day at work, but it's it's a good day. I'm talking to you, and we're going to have a great time. Yeah. Now, I've noticed that a lot of people just call you Jess. Do you prefer Jess or Jessica? Jess. Jess. Just Jess. Mm-hmm. Cool. Just Jess. Keep it easy. Just just keeping it easy. Mm-hmm. So I saw on your Instagram that you are a coffee lover. Tell us about that. Oh, I love coffee. First thing in the morning, it started my day off. Um, started drinking coffee like in college, I guess. Right. My parents drank it. I drank it. And you, you, you start drinking it. become as part of your life as you grow up and become an adult. And um, yeah. just... You learn what real coffee is, like Starbucks? No. Yeah, um, I've never been a fan <laughs> of Starbucks. It's overpriced. Definitely. Um, I really like a good, like, dark roast coffee. Um, if I go to a coffee shop, I get, like, you know, a nice treat, like a, a latte or something like that. But I just like a simple dark roast coffee. I throw my collagen in there, and I'm good to go. Um, so how do you like, take your coffee? I'm black. Ah, that's me. Like, I don't like it sweet. Uh, I just grow out of, you know, putting sugar and cream in my coffee. And a um, long time ago when I did, like, figure in bikini competitions, I couldn't put anything on my coffee because, you know, it makes you whole water. So right. I just wanted to drink it black. And, hey, I love black coffee. Yeah. You know, I, it took me a minute to get used to, to black coffee because there was, like, a time where, we had did, we were, me and my girlfriend were doing that whole 30 thing. And of course you can't really put anything in coffee. And like, I was like, you know, I'll try it, you know, and after about two weeks of drink, it took two weeks of drinking black coffee. And then it's like, you have this appreciation for it because you're not drinking it because it's sweet. I mean, you're drinking it because you genuinely have appreciation for the coffee flavor at that point. Yes. Exactly. And I will buy more expensive coffee from the grocery store because I know I'm not going to put other stuff in there and I'm not going to go spend money every day at a coffee shop. So I'll spend more money on a good coffee at the grocery store or wherever I am and, you know, splurge that way. So what what coffees are you buying at the grocery store? Uh, Right now it is Kicking Horse Coffee. 
Oh, is that a local? Uh, no, it's actually from Canada. Okay. Um, and the flavor I have now is called yeah. Grizzly Claw, and mm. I love it. And the bag says "Wake Up and Kick Ass." Oh, so cool. hey. My girlfriend has been buying this uh, this Death Wish coffee, and it's actually oh, God. it's actually pretty good. I like it. it. Sounds pretty dangerous. Has it high in caffeine? I think it does have. They say it's like the strongest coffee or whatever. I mean, I I've been drinking coffee for so long. I mean, I'm just I think I'm about immune to caffeine. So, but it, it's got a <laughs> it's got a really smooth taste to it. But I think mm-hmm. you can buy it at like Walmart now, but. Oh wow! But uh, it's pretty good. It's expensive too. I want to say it's like maybe twenty dollars a bag. But she likes it. She buys it, so I drink it. Oh no, mine's not that much. <laughs> yeah, I even found it on Amazon. So of course, you know, subscribe and save. So hey, I, there you go. I think that's what she does too, because I think we've got like two bags in bulk already on the shelf. So, but uh, it's good too if you ever want to try something, you know, different. But oh yeah, you. sure. I think at work we've got. Our department has like a bean grinder, you know, and then it's got mm-hmm. like the pot warmer and everything. So we just, I don't know what this brand is. It's something that comes through uh, USA Foods or US Foods. And man, I mean, just fresh, just fresh ground coffee. I don't think it matters what brand it is. I mean, that's good coffee anyway. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You guys are highfalutin at work. You got a coffee bean grinder, fresh, fresh ground coffee. Nice. I know. We're highfalutin maintenance men at our. <laughs> 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 so Jessica what do you do for a living so I am a personal chef oh, cool. I started my own business um in 2019 so I'm just over three years old um it's called the running fork cool. um I left my um job in retail pharmacy and went back to culinary school um and it took me five years because I went part-time and I've had to work so, um, excuse me. So I, uh, went to work in a couple of kitchens after I graduated and, uh, my eventual plan was to have my own business, um, and possibly do private chef, personal chef, right. um, just because that's what I wanted to do and cater towards people and have personalized meals. Um, I wanted to specialize in people that had um, food allergies, sensitivities, uh, dietary restrictions, health conditions, um, special diets for like vegans, vegetarians, you know, paleo, keto, whatever, gluten-free, all that stuff. So I began my own business and um, yeah, three and a half years later, here I am, three and a quarter. Sweet. So is business doing good? It is. It's doing really well. Thank you. Um, it uh it's 2020 took a hit of course I'm like sure. everybody else um because it was right after i started my business oh. so it kind of it kind of tanked a little bit um right when i was getting going but that was but, stressful um, oh man thank yeah thankfully my husband has a great job and he wasn't affected so um he, he was able to you know kind of take care of everything for me for us so um that was stressful so, but um, when everything started, you know, start started opening back up, and um, people were opening their homes back up. I, you know, hit the hit the ground running, and thankfully, um, I was doing some volunteer work for um, 
a local group that was preparing meals for um, kids that didn't have meals. Right. Um, and uh, we, so we were um, packaging, cooking and packaging up meals for, you know, hundreds of kids. And um, we were doing it first at the community college. And then it got transferred to one of the restaurants in town. And um, then after school started back and things kind of started resuming back to normal, they offered me a position, you know, part time just till I got back on my feet, you know, got my business going again. So that was that was a blessing in disguise. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. So like if somebody wanted to use your services, what what exactly what services do you provide? Is it like one of those things where you cook the food and they come and pick it up? Like, How does it work? No, I, so I do, um, the menu design and I, uh, go pick up the groceries for your specific menu for your personalized menu. I go pick up the groceries. I go to your house. I clean the kitchen. I prepare your food for you, pack it up how you, um, like it, how it fits your lifestyle. Um, if you need it individually packaged, if you need it family style for you and the kids or, or whatever, um, if you need it, you know, some frozen, some fresh, you know, it's however you want. Um, and then after I've prepared all the meals, packed it up, I clean your kitchen up, I label all your food and leave you reheating instructions. And then all you have to do is eat the food and then clean up the leftover dishes. So. Ooh, that's sweet how you throw that last part in there. They got to clean up the dishes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I clean the kitchen and clean the dishes up, but all you have to do is clean your dishes that you eat off of. So. Right. So you don't, yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, because you don't want to stand there and wait for them to finish eating and then be like, I got to clean up all their shit, you know. Nope. I am. I clean up and peace out. Nah, that that makes total sense, you know. Mm-hmm. But, so that's almost like a, like a, a, almost like a catering service, a personal catering service. That's pretty cool. It, it is. It is. Um, and I also do cooking lessons and I'll do uh, private dinners um, for small groups. And I have a, if there's bigger um, parties, I have a couple of girls that I can call on for some assistance for servers. But um, other than that, it's just me. Um, and then I also do um, a couple other things like grocery store tours. Um, I have an online meal, meal planning service that I do oh, cool. as well. So, yeah. So do you do you do like kind of like you know like a girls' night thing where like they pay you to come over and you have like you show all of them how to like cook something you do something like that a class like that I, I can do that mm-hmm. that's cool mm-hmm. I see how that would be you know and I've never heard of anything like that so that seems like that should really take off pretty good once the word gets out I would sh- sure oh yeah that's oh a- yeah I've done a I've done a couple of girls' nights um or sorry luncheons and a girls' night and I've done a big cooking class um up at the um there's a cooking center up in pittsburgh which is just 30 minutes north of me so and i did teach at the community college for a couple of semesters for continuing education that was fun and and where did you where did you say pittsburgh 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 because i thought Mm -hmm. you i was about to say i thought you lived in north carolina yeah i'm in north carolina oh cool um so do you only cook healthy stuff or it's like if somebody wants you to like bake this really decadent cake, will you do that too? Mm-hmm, I'll do that too. Awesome. Awesome. What is your favorite cake to bake? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> I like sweets. I'm a cake person. So. so, um, I'd have to say a really good carrot cake. Oh my God. That's my favorite. 
<laughs> I just made one for my neighbor last week. Um, or a dark chocolate cake. Right. What's the secret to a good carrot cake? Um, pineapple. Ooh, yeah. Uh, raisins. Um, make sure you do not over mix your batter. Right. Because it's going to, you know, it's going to uh, not rise right. Um, just to make sure you have good quality ingredients. Right. Mm. And apple also adds some extra moisture. Yeah. I love a good carrot so, cake. Oh, yeah. Same here. And good and a good cream cheese frosting that's not overly sweet. You got to be able to taste the tang and the cream cheese over the, over the sugar. Right. I agree with you there. Totally. Well, I went to the site for... Your, well, I went to your Instagram page for this, and you had some great-looking food on this Instagram page. So I tell everybody, if, if y'all are interested in this service, go to her Instagram page and check out these uh, pictures of some of the dishes she's making because they look delicious. <laughs> Thank you. Your husband's you. probably really, really lucky if you're baking for him like that every night. Oh, yeah, I made some cookies today, and I... Um... I had to go do something and I came back in the kitchen and there was some cookies gone. I'm like, um, excuse me, where's the cookies? Uh, it was the dog. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly what he said. He said, Eli thought they were delicious. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So, uh, Jessica, like, how did you find, you know, what's like your athletic background and how did you like get into like OCR? Tell us about that. I'm sorry I keep calling you Jessica because I always call you Jess in, in person, but when at the beginning of the episode, I, your real name's Jessica, so now I'll probably just be stuck calling you that for the rest of the episode. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> sorry. I go by both. My parents call me Jessica, so it's totally fine. Um, so I didn't find OCR until later. Um, I did not play any sports growing up. I grew up riding horses. Um, oh, cool. I, my parents did put me in gymnastics and golf when I was young. Um, of course, it didn't stick. Golf. golf was not my attention. Yeah, we're in Pinehurst area. Uh, so it's a big golf community. Right. Um, but golf did not stick. My attention span did not like that. <laughs> so um, I... Uh, my mom rode horses growing up, so she put me in horseback riding, and I loved it. So I rode horses for 12 years, 13 years, I wow. think. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was so much fun. I loved it. Um, but I rode, grew up riding horses and um, got to high school, and my parents got me my own horse. Um, I worked to take care of it. Uh, worked at the barn. I worked off my lessons, worked off feed. Um, all that stuff that comes with taking care of a horse and, you know, learning about horses and horse shows and the community and things like that. So, um, so did you uh, ever like, uh, participate in like horse riding shows or stuff like that or competitions? I, I did. I traveled around the Southeast, um, uh, showing horses, um, and doing, I started out doing hunters and jumpers and then eventually ended up in combined training, which is um, it's three phases. So it's, um, dressage, show jumping and cross country Right. and cross country is like obstacle course racing for us. Mm-hmm. So it <laughs> translated as, as when I got to an adult. So, um, I was given a choice when it was time to go to college. My dad's like college or horse. Mm. So 
Yeah, that was a hard one. I bet it was. So um, went to college. Um, I started taking uh, weightlifting classes in high school, and I loved it. Um, so I kind of started doing a little bit of athletic stuff back then, but didn't really um, do anything as far as like team sports go. Um, I ran um, for pleasure and I just, I got a bike and um, did some bicycling and things like that. Um, but nothing, you know, competitive, no team sports or anything. And then I went to college and uh, I got um, interested in running. I took a running class for PE and I loved it. Hmm. And I was like, holy crap, why didn't I find this earlier in life? Because <laughs> you were making so, the horses run instead. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I uh, uh, met my husband when I was in college and we were both um, into fitness and running and cycling and things like that. So. Um, I just basically stayed active. Um, nothing really, you know, competitive or, um, really sportsy, I guess. I just did it for fun. Um, I think I did a few 5Ks here and there and did well and just, just had fun, just had fun with it. Um, and then I found, um, this is back when like the bodybuilding stuff was going on that was really big and figure and fitness when you're in the gym and you yeah. see people like working out all the time. And so I got into that. Um, I started doing training for uh, figure and bikini um, with the NPC uh, did that for several years, um, started having some health problems as a result. And, um, wow. <clears throat> just because, because of all the metabolism change in your body. Right. Um, and I also found out that I had a congenital thyroid condition, so oh, wow. I had to get that taken care of. So I had to, um, stop doing the figure in bikini and just focus on my health and get better. And I actually found out that it's through food that I was healing myself. So I, I was able to get myself feeling better and, um, on the right path through nutrition and proper foods and exercise and, you know, living a healthy lifestyle versus, you know, medication after medication and you the yo-yo thing that you can have with, um, trying to let level out your thyroid levels. Right. I saw some of your pictures where you were, uh, modeling, um, in those fitness competitions too. You looked great, but I've always heard that you have to just go through this, crazy eating regimen to 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 get that physique that's there and it's like really mentally stressful so i i can't imagine what y'all went through i couldn't do it oh it is it was it was really hard it was really hard i and looking back on it now i'm like why did i put myself through that you know but i learned a lot going through the whole process um and i wouldn't be where i am right now if i didn't go through that so um It, it was rough, but it was it was fun. I learned a lot. I met a lot of wonderful people that I'm still friends with today. Um, right. So, you know, I never got the spray tan part. I understand that you, the the darker that you look, the more <laughs> defined you look, you know, and it helps you get those shadows and makes you look more cut and all. But it's just like, man, that tan just looks so super fake. You know, I never got I that. <laughs> yeah, especially under the lights because those lights are so bright and hot. 
and it just it it just helps show your definition a whole lot better. Right. Plus, you know, plus it covers up your your whiteness. Like I'm a ghost. Right. <laughs> I had to just spray tan. I know, but it's just, that's the only thing I don't, to me, that's the only thing that looks bad in those competitions is this fake tan, this unbelievably dark tan that's like, man, if that was really a real tan, they'd be a catcher's mitt, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, way too much sun. I, I always thought that was just kind of kind of weird, I mean, but I, I get it, it's for them. It's to make you look more cut. I totally As my know. husband called it, an Oompa Loompa. Right, right. <laughs> So, um, how, how did you find your first OCR race? So I, uh, worked out at the y, YMCA here in Sanford and, um, I had some girlfriends that were going to go do, um, warrior dash and, um, it was in Charlotte and then they were like, let's just all go together and do it. So there was like, I don't know, six of us, eight of us that went and did it and we had a blast. And I think I finished in the top 10. Oh, cool. Um, and I was like, this is my first one. Like, this so, is really fun. So y'all went after it then, huh? Oh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they were all in tutus. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was so much fun. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this again. Um, and kind of fizzled off, didn't really pursue it anymore. And um, I have a friend that lives in Tampa now, but she used to live here. And she was like, you need to try a Spartan. One of those, you know, the bigger mud runs. I'm like, no, I don't know if I like that or not. Because, you know, the Warrior Dash compared to Spartan is like, you know, night and day. Right. Like, I don't know if I like that or not. So I tried it later, years later, and I, of course, I got hooked. But um, I did, um, after that first one I did with my girlfriends a long time ago, um, I did another Warrior Dash, um, placed well again, and I was like, I think I'm going to like this thing. Mm -hmm. So there was another local mud run um, about an hour away from here. Um, I ended up winning that one. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm kind of good at this. I like this. (laughs) So, um, this was before Rugged Maniac was in the area. I think it was before. Um, and there was nobody really in my, in our area that did obstacle course racing, at least that I knew of. Right. I, I had no idea if anybody did it or not. I was in my own little world in the YMCA. (laughs) So, um, I found Rugged Maniac, um, and I, uh, won the first one I did. Sweet. And I was like, oh my God, this is so much fun. And my husband couldn't believe, like, he didn't believe me. He's like, no, you didn't. You didn't win. <laughs> I'm like, here, I won. I showed the pictures and the video, and it was just a great time. So, um, ended up doing another Rugged Maniac um, the following fall. Uh, finished third in that one behind Michelle Castle and, um, What's her name? Yanez Parton. So um, that's where I met them. And I was, was talking to them. I'm like, so do you do y'all do this all the time? You're in the changing tent. And I'm like, how often do y'all do these things? And they were telling me about, you know, the races that they do. And I'm like, oh, this is really cool. I like this. And they were so nice. And I'm like, these girls are really nice. Because I didn't, like, do in bikini and figure, like, 
the girls are catty backstage. Like right. there's none of this like friendliness. And I was like, I kind of like this stuff. Right. So the next year I did, um, I found Spartan. So I did, um, warrior dash, um, not warrior dash, sorry, rugged maniac. And I also found Spartan. So, um, I got hooked. The first one I ran, the first Spartan I did, I finished third in my age group. Sweet. And my husband was with me. And I was like, I want to do this again. I was covered in, from head to toe in mud and clay. And this is Charlotte. It was 2019. Um, I was covered. And I'm like, I want to do this again. <laughs> I'm trying to and remember I got hooked. that. Oh, yeah. That was the. It, it was disgusting. Yeah. It was clay everywhere. Some girl broke her femur. She fell yeah. off the uh, slip wall. They had the, the ropes really tall right. or really short on the slip wall. I remember and it was that, that metal material. I oh. didn't go. That was the year I didn't go because that was the year they had the super too, right? Yes. That, yeah. They saw super. It was super Saturday mm-hmm. and then rent Sunday. Yeah, I heard a lot of people were having to do burpees on that uh, slip wall because they had that short rope and there was this huge puddle of water in front of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. It was clay water. <laughs> Orange. And then the rope climb there was just slippery as an eel. It was horrible. <laughs> well, that's pretty awesome, you know. So how many burpees did you say you did on your first race? Um, I think I did 60. Wow. That's... Yeah, I slipped off um, the rings at the very end. It was my first time doing rings. I slept off at the very end. Um, and I remember looking at the guy because I like almost got the bell. And I'm like, do I have to go do burpees? <laughs> He's like, yes, get over there. Give me your band. <laughs> so now you pretty much run in the elite wave a lot now, don't you? Mm-hmm. Because you've, you've podium in an elite a couple of times, haven't you? I have. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank well, you. What races did you do that at? Uh, Charlotte 2021 was my, no, was it 2021? Yeah, it was, it was last Char- last year, Charlotte, because COVID, yeah. we were starting to wear masks on the podium. That, that's right, yeah, we that's had what to it wear was. So it's, it was Charlotte 2021 um, in April. I got my first podium, I finished third. That's awesome. Um, thank you. And then um, my next one was uh, Nashville. I won the super and the sprint uh, oh, last year. That was a great race. I love that. Uh, race. I love that race. It was a, that was a new venue too, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Because they were they were at Fort Campbell, right? And they moved there. Yep, that was a fun race. I enjoyed it a mm-hmm. lot. That was good. <laughs> I'll never forget Garfield telling us at the start line that they had to go bury a cow that morning. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't even remember that they buried a cow. I forgot they had to bury a cow. Oh my God! Is either that morning or the day before? Oh man! They found a dead cow on the property during on the race path or something. Well, that was nice of them to bury it, I guess. For him, <laughs> man, I don't remember that story. I, I probably wasn't there for the elite uh, start because I was running age group, of course. But uh, man, that's a trip. I didn't know they had to do that, but yeah. But yeah, that was what was cool about the course and. And, and Garfield, I remember him saying he was kind of bummed because that that stream or lake, or not a lake, it was either stream, and he said it was like knee-deep water when they went there like to like 
pre kind of plan the course, uh-huh. but uh-huh. it was like totally dried up. So we ran uh-huh. through this dry creek bed and that yep. was so much fun on the super. That was cool. That yeah. was cool. Had to watch for ankle rolling, but yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I enjoyed that course a lot. Like, for that property, and it's kind of like, I mean, there was a couple of hills, but for for what that property was, that was a great race at that property. Mm -hmm. Gee, I'm totally going back there again this year. Oh, yeah, so am I. I'll be there. Sweet. Um, I saw you just had a good race at Savage this past weekend in Maryland, too, right? I did. How'd that go? It went really well. It was my first Savage race back from my stress fracture. So it was a lot of fun. Um, the obstacles were great, as usual, and Savage just puts on a great race. Yeah, they do. So um, I just start. I started out conservatively because, you know, they took off like bullets. It was Jamie and um, Rachel Corigliano. They're beast. And then the, there's a girl from Argentina there. They were fast, so... Um, I just started out conservatively cause I really just getting my running game back. Um, so I just kept, um, Aaliyah in my sights and just kind of stayed behind her for the, the most of the first part of the race. Um, but then I had to slow down through the technical stuff just cause I was, you know, worried about my foot and, right. I didn't want re-injury or anything, so um, I was able to, I passed her through, passed Aaliyah through the mud, that mud, mud was crazy thick again, um, mm. that Maryland black mud, have you been to that venue? I haven't. Oh my gosh, it's a beautiful venue, it's great, and they actually did a really good job of putting us through the shade a lot this time. That's good. It was really hot. Yeah, it was hot um, Saturday. But anyways, I uh, got up to third um, coming into Anchors Away. So that was cool. Um, I had no idea I had moved up that far. Um, I thought I was still in like sixth or seventh because that's where it was when I started. Right. So I got up to third and um, went through uh, some more obstacles. And then eventually Rachel caught back up to me and uh, she took third over again. Um and then just just ran my own race the rest of the time and just had a good time. Um, was able to get all the obstacles. Got to the rig. I was in fourth coming into the rig. Um, the rig was so much fun. It was all it technique. Cool. It was all technique and um, grip strength. So which which is what I loved. And uh, I. The first attempt, I almost made it completely through. I slipped off um, Twirly Bird at the, almost at the very end. And then second time through, I rushed didn't and shouldn't have even gone this, the second time through because my hands weren't ready yet and they were still kind of wet. So I fell off. And then third time through, I got it. So yeah, it was but, fun. Because it, it really didn't look too difficult, but there was that one place like right there in the middle. Cause I was just all yeah. I, and all I did was just watch videos where you're kind of on this pipe and it's like the next ring is too far away and you had to kind of like either just long arm reach it or lachey to a ring is almost what it yes. looked like. Yes, and when we were warming up, um, Rachel Quickliano uh, mentioned that um, kicking the ring would sw- get it swinging. I'm like, oh. 
genius. That's a good idea. So, yep. So as long as you could reach with a kick and and get the get your swing going till you can time it to when the ring comes back towards you, then you could catch it and then swing through to the next bar. Yeah, it, and then and then finish the rig. Yeah, that was the part that looked super a super difficult grab. It right was. Yeah. It was hard. You had to time it just right, and, and then of course hang on to the next two bars. And then if you had you know the grip strength left, you could just swing through the um, the ring and the twirly bird and the sheet. Right, and they had it over the water too. So if you messed up, you fell in the water, and then you got your hands wet. <laughs> Yep, exactly, exactly. At least they had the, there were some posts that were around the rig that you could dry your hands off on, which was nice. Right. I'm sure all the attachments were soaked at that point, though, you know, so you were grabbing wet stuff no matter what. It actually weren't too bad. Well, that's good. Because the rig was in the sun. Oh. So it was, it wasn't too wet. If your hands were wet, then you had a problem. Right. But um, it actually wasn't too bad. I've been on worse. So was that the only obstacle you had to retry? Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. It, it looks super difficult. So you placed, and and didn't you place, you placed in Masters, right? I did. I finished fifth overall um, by one second. <laughs> <laughs> and because I was, I was too scared to flip over the A-frame because the A-frame with Savage is different than Spartan. Yeah, it is. And I wasn't comfortable, especially with my foot. Right. And I wasn't comfortable like smacking on something if that happened. So I ended up not flipping because I can flip the Spartan one no problem. But I wasn't comfortable with this. And the girl that was right behind me, because I passed her um, coming up to, it was after Colossus or before Colossus, I passed her. Um, and then she caught back up to me at the A frame. And then she flipped and I did not. And that's where she got me. Yeah. So. Um, but I finished fifth overall and then second in the masters. Well, that's cool. You know, and I don't do like a straightforward flip on the A-frame myself. I'll get close to the top of it and I'll kind of do like a, a tucking, kind of like a side roll flip over the top of it. Mm -hmm. And that way it's like when I fall down, if, if I'm going like in crazy too fast, I can just grab it with one hand just to slow me down. And because I'm, I feel more comfortable doing just a, a strict flip over the vertical cargo than the A-frame. I just I feel like I can just tuck and roll sideways yep. over the A-frame a little bit better, uh -huh. faster. Even though it's a little kind of, you don't really have as much control, I guess, but you uh -huh. don't have that pause as much. So. Yep. And um, Mike Garcia, you know him. Yeah. Um, he told me about to do the star. Like you just kind of grab sideways like a starfish mm -hmm. and roll and roll that way. Yeah. Well, I guess that's kind of way security. I do too. Yeah. And that way you always got a hand on it too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. Yep. Exactly. Are you going to Savage that's Georgia? Fun. I am. Oh, cool. Well, I'll, I'll see there. you there. Awesome. <clears throat> that should be, that should be a cool race. I mean, cause it probably be a, a good race to uh, do well at because you know, you got, OCR World Champions is that weekend, and I know there's a tough mutter going on, and isn't, I guess if it happens, isn't like Tahoe happened that, that yeah, weekend Tahoe's too? Yeah, Tahoe's that weekend too. Yeah, I know there was like some fire going on, and they were maybe, 
I don't know, postponing it, but I don't know that for sure. I haven't been paying attention. Yeah, they to haven't it. announced it yet. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think they're they monitoring have to. a situation. Hopefully they, hopefully they can still put on the race because I know that's a big deal race, and a lot of people are looking forward to going there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I was gonna do um, worlds this year, but um, with my injury, there was no way I was gonna be ready to where I wanted to be. So I. I'm like I'm just gonna go to Savage. It's a lot cheaper. It's you know I can yeah. drive there. Close, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love Savage. Yeah, Savage is always a good race. Always fun. Mm-hmm. And you always yes. see a lot of people that care about OCR at Savage too. You know. Yes, yes. The and good. They have, they have such a great staff. Oh yeah. And the volunteers are great, and it's just it's just good. It's a positive environment. So tell us about your injury that you've been going through with. What happened? So back in the end of April, I, um, I had just, uh, changed some insoles, um, for my running to help with my plantar fasciitis. Um, and I had been having some really good runs. Um, I had, um, I had a big training weekend, um, that following, Thursday, I woke up with some pain in my foot um, at my third metatarsal and a little bit of swelling. And I was like, what is this? Mm. This was not a normal like ache and pain. It was this was something totally different. And I saw my foot was swollen. It was a little bit red. And I'm like, oh, no, (laughs) I was freaking out. I was like, this this can't be something bad. So I ended up um, going to work. Um, didn't really do anything with it. I, of course, I put ice on it. Um, didn't really think much of it. Took some Advil. Um, kind of went away. Um, the next morning, I trained like normal. Still had some pain in there. And it gradually got worse throughout the day. And I was like, this isn't good. Mm. Um, so I ended up calling my podiatrist. And I was like, um, sorry, I'm starting dinner. That's fine. Um, I ended up calling my podiatrist and I was like, can I get in Monday for an x-ray? Something's not right with my foot. And I told them what was going on. And they're like, yep, come on up. So I happened to not have a client that day and uh, shot on up. And of course, you know, with insurance and things like that, you have to wait. Um, so um, he's like, let's just take one x-ray. And then come back next week. We'll take another x-ray and see what's going on. But right now, you know, don't run. Um, You know, told me about my activity level, what to do, and things like that. So I was like, crap. Mm. (laughs) So ended up going back up for uh, another x-ray. And you could see the shadowing on my bone structure. And... He was like, yeah, I think it's a stress fracture, but we have to get an MRI to rule it out and, you know, so we can make a plan. So we did, and it was indeed a stress fracture. Thankfully, it wasn't a complete fracture. Um, so it was able to kind of heal back together. Um, but I had just started working with um, Kylie with Fly Nutrition. Right. Of course, um, she's amazing uh, for some uh just some help with my nutrition because I needed some fueling help and I wanted to make sure I was on, on the right path and I was eating enough food and all that stuff. Cause I had worked with her the previous year. I did, um, a couple of phone calls with her for, um, like a 
pre pre race week um, fuel and game plan. That was fun. I really liked your energy. So I got on a waiting list to work with her um, individually. That's cool. But anyways, I um, like three weeks or a month after I started working with her, this happened. The stress fracture happened, and I was like, "Oh no." what is going on so we immediately like changed my nutrition increased all of my macros changed some of my supplements up um just so i could start the healing process and get it going um heal it from the inside out so we did um and so there's some there's several factors why it happened um my age i'm 44 now um my activity level is high. I work on my feet every day. Um, I'm very active. I hardly ever sit down. Mm. Um, my um, insoles may have had a little bit something to do with it because they tweaked them just enough that so rotated my foot. And also all the jumping with OCR and all the, the impact that your feet take, um, all of those things combined kind of like was like a perfect storm. And it just went, boop, Hello. Mm. slow down so it was 10 weeks of no running which was hard mentally it was so hard at the beginning it was so hard and i'm like you know what i can get through this i had just joined the gym because i was going to start doing mountain training and go to the gym for the stair climber um so thankfully i had that so i had the step mill and i had the elliptical and i already had a spin bike so Thankfully, I was able to do all of that. And my coach is Heather Golnick, who's amazing. Um, she, we like came up with a, you know, a game plan and we changed everything to try and keep it as least impactful as possible. But I could still keep up my fitness. So um, we did that. And that was, that was fun trying to change my thinking to train my body in another way to do cross training because I had never done a lot of cross training and um, I really enjoyed it. So I learned to love my spin bike <laughs> right. and I started focusing on um, recovery and um, mobility and yoga and all these other things that I wasn't focusing on before. And so I was really putting that into my like daily training and it's really helped a lot. So Ten weeks of no running, and then I slowly was able to start running again, short distances, and then he released me to start doing short races, and then the doctor's like, okay, you're good. You can start racing full force. This was like, I don't know, three weeks ago. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, he's like, okay, you're released. Go have fun. So I would, I would imagine you are still pretty nervous still about running, especially in bushwhack terrain for sure. Oh, yes, for sure. And then um, technical trails, definitely. All the rocks and the roots. I have to be really careful about where I step. Right. But. Ooh, well, Savage Georgia is going to be fun. Savage oh, yes. Georgia, it's, it's Savage Georgia doesn't have a lot of technical running, but where it is technical, it's like if you try to, if you go through those little creek sections that are really, you know, if you run through there really fast, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, could, it, it can get technical for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then tall grass running is never fun when you have an injury and you can't see where you're putting your foot, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The forecast, knock on wood, looks dry. So hopefully it won't be too terribly muddy and slippery. But yeah. 
I know. Yeah, that. I like I like that venue. I do too. It's fun, you know, and it, it you go through the woods a little bit for a little bit of technical running. There's some good mm-hmm. hills there, and then there's some good flat stuff to get you know open up too. So, mm-hmm. it's always exactly. a cool cool venue to go to. Exactly. <sighs> The only thing I don't like about that venue is, is I got to drive across Atlanta to get to it. And I hate driving to Atlanta. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. It's Atlanta the is terrible. Yeah. I come in from the north from down to 85 and I skirt it on the belt line, but still it's terrible. Like yeah, it's no awful. matter where you are, you're going to hit traffic. That's right. And it doesn't no matter, matter what, what time, of, time day. of the day, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's un- unless you're just driving through Atlanta during the witching hours. I mean, it, you're, you're going to hit traffic. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It yep. sucks. I don't see how people live in that town. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but yeah, so you mentioned that you uh, you're training with uh, Heather Golnick, and are, mm-hmm. you're on the Iron Edge team too, as well, right? I am. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So how do you how do you like you know training with Heather, and like you know how how, how does she she been like programming your training? You know? Oh, she's amazing. Um, so she, uh, I met her in. Um, January? No, I'm sorry. Uh, December of 2019 in Florida at the Florida Spartan. Um, and I just loved her personality and her demeanor. Um, and I was like, she'd be really cool to work with. I wonder if she coaches. Right. So I started following her on Instagram and stalking her. And <laughs> um, I was like, I wonder, you know, I kept telling my husband, I really want to get a coach. I'm like, I just, I feel like I can do more and I want to get a coach. I just, I can't do all this on my own. So, um, he's like, okay. And he had met Heather too. He met her in Florida. So he really liked her. So, um, back when COVID shut everything down, Venga, um, did a podcast with her on there and we sat and watched it. And I was like, that's who I want for my coach. <laughs> and my husband was like, yep, let's do it. So, Started with her in um, March of 2020 um, and uh, just started working on my running and my grip strength because I didn't, I didn't have any, um, not for what Spartan was going to throw at me. And um, and of course, Savage, Savage. Um, I just didn't have the grip strength needed um, for durability or endurance. So just started working on that from the from the ground up and slowly started building my speed up because I didn't have much foot speed. Um, so just, just started working on that and um, working on it with different running techniques, different um, different kind of run workouts, grip workouts, holy crap, grip workouts. So, <laughs> my, my hands have never been more sore in my entire life. So what's some of the grip workouts that you do? Um, hand switches, one arm hangs, um, pull-ups, lock-off holds, um, circuits of things like that. Um, I have fit bar strong. Um, I have the, um, beater bar. I have the cannonball grips and I have the cane grips. So I always try and throw those in with my grip workouts with pull-ups, um, to throw some kind of different, um, um, sorry, I'm trying to think of the word, um, different angle to, to, to pull myself up with, because you never know what's going to be thrown at you, right. especially with Savage. Oh, yeah. Um, so just working on grip strength that way. Um, 
the a lot of the group things she has me do it's for like a duration of time or a long number of reps so that I can my hands can hold for that length of time so it just gets it just builds up the strength in your hand over and over and over again cool mm -hmm. well Jess I'm almost out of questions and we're getting close to an hour here but everybody that comes on the show I always ask them the same questions Okay. So, sure. to this day, what has been your most favorite race and why? Oh, my gosh. That's a hard one. My favorite race? I'm going to have to say Nashville of last year. Um, several reasons. Um, I got to road trip by myself. That was fun. Um, first big road trip by myself. Um, all the way out to Nashville, Tennessee from St. from North Carolina. So, I was, you know, nine hours. Um, but that was that was cool. And then just the whole experience, um, I got to stay with um, a friend of mine that I met back in fitness a long time ago. Cool. I got to stay with her and her husband and kids. So that was fun. And then, um, of course, I won the Super and the Sprint. Um, both were great races. I just had a great time the whole weekend. Um, the atmosphere was great. Um, my, some of my team members were there as far as like Sir Fido with Alt Red and, um, VJ Shoes. It was just, it was just a good weekend. It was. Um, so it was, were you there? Yeah, I was there. Okay. It was cool. a fun race for sure. It was. So I have to ask my favorite one, um, as of right now, just because I, I did so well and my hard work that I've been doing, you know, was, was paying off. Um, so I really enjoyed that one. West Virginia was great, too. I did a lot better at West Virginia than I thought I would. I think I finished 13th or 14th as a National Series race last year. Right. Um, so that was a fun one, too. Because I just come from Utah in July. I think Utah was in July. Yep. Utah mm -hmm. was in July. So I, then I did West Virginia. And I just, West Virginia was beautiful. Yeah, West Virginia is a fun venue, and and if you place you did you did do good there because that was a stacked field that year too. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Okay, so my next question is is what uh, what race did you hate the most and why or dislike the most? Most people don't like it when I say hate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't hate any races, but <laughs> they're all fun. We know, but which one did you dislike the most? Hmm, that's a hard question. I don't know. I've I've really learned something from each race. Um, Which was the race you were bummed the most about? Like you felt like you could have done better than that. Okay, maybe, is that a better? That's probably first, a better my way. First savage, my first savage. I ended up got to the rig, um, and I had to turn my band in because I. This is the first year I started working with Heather and. I had never seen any of the Savage obstacles before. All I heard was the dreaded rig. Right. And I ended up, my forearm grip was blown out. <laughs> my hands were fried. I could not finish the rig. So I, I tried many, many times. And I ended up turning my band in. I was just like, you know what? I work with my hands. I need to save my hands. Yeah. So I ended up turning my band in just to be kind of on the smart side and not stay there forever. Um, I'd have to say that one was my, you know, least favorite, but I went and got redemption this past weekend. So Yeah, you did. 
So, I mean, and I'm, I'm like you. Every time I go do a Savage race, I never go in thinking, I'm going to make it through the rig this time. I know I can do it. I never feel that way. I'm always like, is this going to be the rig that I can't do? <laughs> you know, because they always change it. And to me, it seems like it, it gets harder and harder every time I go to a Savage. So, mm-hmm. you know, but usually it always takes me more than one attempt, but I, I can... I can muster my way through it after it's almost like you got to try to figure out your own technique on how to get through it, you know? Exactly. But Exactly. It's like a puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like, what is like your race routine? Like, you know, do you have like a routine that you do on Friday before the race on, on Saturday and, like, if it's a double weekend, like if you're racing Saturday and Sunday, do you do anything after the race on Saturday to recover, to get ready for the race Sunday? Like, do you have, like, special meals or special supplements you swear by? What is your secrets to kicking ass, Jess? <laughs> um, I actually start usually on, like, Tuesday um, with, like, if it's a hot race, I'll start with like sodium loading and get in more electrolytes. So I start Tuesday, actually. Um, I usually, depending on how many races I have, I have a taper week, but for the most part, um, with my hardest effort being like the Tuesday or Wednesday before the race. Um, so I start sodium loading Tuesday and then if it's just a super in sprint or, or just one race super weekend or that distance, I start carb loading on Thursday, um, carb loading and, um, back down on my proteins and my fats and let my body just kind of absorb the carbohydrates so I can, you know, get my stores up. Um, and just take some time for some extra recovery that week, extra foam rolling, extra, if I need to do an ice bath or two, I'll do that. Um, I always get a massage. Um, and there's a, we have a cryotherapy place in town and I go to, go to the cryo chamber. It's three minutes of freezing cold air, um, but it works. I believe in it. So I'll do that. Um, just try and make sure I get some extra rest. Make sure I don't miss any meals. Make sure I get all my food in, I'll, especially if there's a hot race. Make sure I'm extra hydrated and just, you know, get my, my water and my electrolytes in. Um, I eat pretty clean anyways because I have a sensitive stomach. So I usually eat pretty clean um, anyways. So the week before, like, I don't have anything that I know that's going to upset my stomach at all. Um, I'm super plain, like chicken and sweet potato or salmon and sweet potato, broccoli. I know those things are not going to upset my stomach, so I, that's what I basically eat the week before race. So it's no carrot boring. cake the week before race then, huh? <laughs> carrot cake for after. I'm like, yes, if I get to the race, I'm eating all the carrot cake. <laughs> um, so how do you, like if you're doing like a beast race, like how how do you fuel for a beast race? Um, I haven't done a beast race in a while. Um, so as far as like gels and things like that or like the week before. Yeah. Just like your gels, like what's your, like during the race nutrition? So usually I use spring energy gels. I love those. It's real food and they don't upset my stomach. Um, that's the one that I found that doesn't cause me any GI distress. Right. So I'll use spring energy gels, but the day, the morning of I'll eat, um, 
oats and I always soak my oats the night before to help them more digest, be more digestible and softer and easier to break down. So I do oats and maple syrup and almond butter and banana, depending on how long the race is, I'll do more or less depending on the distance. But, um, and then 15 minutes before takeoff, I'll do like another, I'll do a, uh, a power rush gel, which is Springs. It's in the pink, um, container. Right. So I'll do that. And then like every 30 minutes I'm fueling, um, just cause your body needs the, the carbohydrates and the fuel. Um, my electrolyte of choice right now is Osmo. Um, I love it. It dissolves easily and it doesn't upset my stomach cause it doesn't have, um, all the sugar alcohols that some other things have in there. Some other companies put in their products. So I'll use Osmo and I have extend branch chain amino acids. I've been using that for years. For That's good stuff. I've had that before. Extend, I, like I love it. I've been using it for probably 15, 18 years now. It's been a long time. Um, but that and then Endure Elite, uh, Perform Elite. Mm. That's in my, that's in my, in my concoction. And of course, Alt Red. I don't train without that stuff. Right. Um, but I just fuel every 30 minutes. Um, usually it's spring. Um, I haven't, venture with anything else yet because i haven't needed to because i've only done a few beasts so that's what's worked for me as long as and now that i have a good fueling plan down that's been working um i'm anxious to see how i'm gonna do doing a beast at the end of the year with a a solid fueling plan so which one are you doing florida or carolina florida I do Florida. No, I'm not, I'm not going to do Carolina. It's too cold. <laughs> I'm miserable in the cold. Right. I don't like the cold either, but I don't know why, but sometimes it seems like when it's when it's cold, I, sometimes I can just do a better race. I guess it's because I just run in cooler, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I hate it. I got Raynaud syndrome in my hands. will just lock oh, up. No. It gets really bad. Oh, no. That's awful. Yeah. Um. So, Jess, is there anything that you want to add here? Um, where people can find you I'm on Instagram at Jess underscore shepherd underscore OCR. Um, I would like to thank, um, Heather Golnick, my coach. She has helped me in more ways than you can ever imagine. She's been there for me since I started with her. Um, so I would like to thank her with Iron Edge coaching and then, um, VJ shoes, of course. Um, I started wearing them in, uh, the spring of 2020, excuse me, that's my dog. He's like howling his head off in the background. <laughs> I don't even hear him. Um, <laughs> um, he's, he sees our straight cat, our name is a straight <laughs> cat. Um, but VJ shoes, they're amazing. Um, I've been wearing them since spring of 2020 and they, I, I just can't say enough good things about them. I love the grip, the stability of the shoes. They're durable. Um, I have not had a bad step with them. Cool. Um, I've been uh, using Alt Red since I started racing, um, and I love I love it too. Sweet. So I just want to thank thank them for letting me be an ambassador for for a while now. And, <laughs> and two years. And your Instagram for your uh, your meal page that was Running Fork. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. The Running Fork. The Running Fork. So y'all go mm-hmm. check that out. If y'all want to see some good pictures of some good looking food, go check that out for sure. 
I have more, one oh, more question. I, I, I do. I, I have one more thing to say. Um, oh, I want to thank Game, Game Day CBD. I forgot about them. Um, they're a new CBD company, and um, they are amazing. Uh, they um, it comes in um, uh, roll on, and it's all organic um, CBD, menthol, and arnica, and it's worked wonders for me. I started using it back in the summer um, when Heather start introducing it to the team and I love the stuff. I use it religiously like twice a day when I get done with my workout, when I get ready for, to go to work, I put it on my feet and then before I go to bed at night, I use it all the time and it works amazing. So it's roll on kind of like a bomb and, and yeah. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. It's not thick either. Right. And it's, it absorbs really fast. Cool. Um, I actually have one more question. So okay. you, you were talking about riding horses and, um, uh, did you ever try barrel racing? I did not. I wrote English, so I did not try barrel racing. Right. I, I, I mean, I guess I don't, I don't know the difference. I know that jumping horses is like a totally different thing and like doing barrel racings is more something you see at like a rodeo or something like that. Mm-hmm. I've just, seen it. It's amazing. I've seen it. It's crazy looking. It's crazy looking. As fast as they run those horses and then they go around those barrels and almost lay the, the horses down on their side, they go around there so fast. It's crazy mm-hmm. to watch. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's such a talent to do that. And I don't understand. It's like, I, do the guys do it or is it just the girls that do that? I think it's just the girls. And, I haven't seen or heard about guys doing it. But they yeah. may do it. But I'm not sure if they do or not. I, I mean, I, I haven't I, been in that world. I, I mean, me neither. But I, I just—it just seems like every time you see somebody barrel racing, it's always a woman. So, because I, I took horseback riding lessons for like one summer when I was like 14, and uh, I remember seeing a, a girl out there that was younger than me at the time, and she was barrel racing, and uh, I mean, she was getting it. And one of the reins had come loose or broke or something, and the horse's reaction at this point going so fast was just to go back to the gate, you know, where it comes into the field. And Uh it went back to the gate and just stopped on a dime and threw that little girl off of the horse into like a three-wire bob wire fence. And I was just like, oh, "Oh my God, it was just insane. I can never forget that girl's face seeing her flipped over into that barbed wire fence. Uh And amazingly enough, she... She barely got just a couple of little scratches, and none of them were really deep. And she got back up on the horse and started doing it again. Oh, my goodness. It was insane. I'll never forget that. But anyway, uh, Jess, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Oh, you're welcome. This was fun. Yeah, it was. And uh, we'll see you at Savage next weekend. Oh, absolutely. I'll be there. Cool. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Jessica again for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, I will be at Savage, Georgia next weekend, and uh, if you see me there, come up to me and say what's up. Like I said, I met tons of people at Killington and West Virginia that came up to me and told me they enjoyed listening to the show, and I always love hearing feedback and talking to the listeners. There was a bunch of people at Killington that I got to talk to while I was on course, and that was super cool. Uh, If you care to listen to my recap on West Virginia and Killington, continue to listen. Like I said at the beginning, I was going to use it as an intro, and it was way too long. So I said, people may not want to listen to this. They may just want to listen to the interview. So that's why I put it right here at the end, and uh, here that is. And uh, we'll see you at Savage next weekend, hopefully, too. Peace.
West Virginia was a great race. But my travel getting there was a little bit crazy. So it's like a seven and a half hour drive for me. And I was going to get up at four and I woke up at three and I was like, and couldn't go back to sleep. So I said, well, I'll just go ahead and go. So I'm leaving my girlfriend's house and I roll into Charlotte probably right before eight o'clock. And I get just north of Charlotte where that big lake is at. And, you know, the traffic is crazy because in Charlotte, they've got like two express lanes and two regular lanes. And of course, the two regular lanes have this huge just backup of traffic. Meanwhile, there's nobody in the express lane. And they have this sign up that says, you know, if you don't have the pass, they'll send you a bill in the mail for a little bit more. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let them send me a bill in the mail. Probably my first mistake. So anyway, I'm in the express lanes, and once you get north of Charlotte, those two lanes come into one. And we had just passed that lake, the one that's got like the flag off on the little island out there. I think this is what, Interstate 77? So we cross that lake, and there's a cop that has somebody pulled over. And they have those plastic little bollards or whatever you want to call them separating the express lane from the two regular lanes so what does everybody do when they see a cop on the side of the road they all slam on brakes and there's probably 10 cars in front of me so i slam on brakes and i also kind of pull off into the emergency lane close to the wall to my to the driver's side and you know about the next thing i know somebody hits me from behind and it, a good thing I got in that emergency lane because it pushed me past the next two cars and into the wall. And I'm just trying to avoid hitting the other cars at this point, too. And uh, luckily, you know, nobody was hurt except for my car. My car was totaled. Uh, and the girl that hit me, she had, like, proof of insurance, but it was out of date. But she said she just didn't have a new copy of it. And, you know, she was nice. Her mom even showed up, and they were both nice. They asked if there was anything to do, if I needed a ride. They, she admitted fault, blah, blah, blah. You know, and the, the cop took all our information. And I don't know why, but the, for some reason when the cop ran the information, he didn't, he couldn't figure out that her insurance had lapsed and she didn't have insurance, so... I didn't find that out until like midway through the next week. So anyway, I ride with the tow truck driver to the tow yard, which was like, I don't know, 20 minutes away. And then I'm on the phone with the insurance and Geico was her insurance and I used State Farm. And Geico wasn't going to do anything because there was something going on with her insurance. That was all I heard at the time. So I was like, well, fine, I'll just book my own rental car. And I will, um, you know, get them to reimburse me. And so, and luckily there was an enterprise like five miles away. So I thought, but I called them. They were totally out of cars. So the nearest car rental place I found was like a 30 minute drive away. It was only like 15 miles, but due to traffic and all. So call Uber. They don't have any drivers. And so I download the Lyft app and luckily they did. And I was, I get to the rental car place, sign up for the rental car. And this is something that I didn't know. Um, 
a lot of people probably do. But if you rent a car, and let's say, because I was renting it in Charlotte. Well, it's not, it wasn't Charlotte. It was something else, just north of Charlotte. And But I didn't know this, but like, let's say you, you pick up a car in Charlotte, and I live in Tifton, Georgia. I was going to drop it off at the Enterprise place here in Tifton. That fee alone for a one-way drop-off, that was $550 alone. That's not even counting the rental of the car. I didn't even know they did that. But anyway, now I do. So anyway, I get to the rental car place and get the car signed up, all this, blah, blah, blah. We go outside. The car's sitting there running, but they can't find the keys. Meanwhile, I have to get back to the tow yard before 3 o'clock because they close at 3 o'clock. And I have to get everything out of my car. And let me tell you, my car is like a work truck because I'm, I go over to my mother's house probably twice a week to do stuff around her house, you know. So I've got like tools. I probably got like three tool sets in there, you know, electrical tools. I had a pickaxe, a shovel, a hacksaw, a wood saw, a bow saw. I had everything. And like I had this huge trash bag full of like blankets and stuff too, you know, like because I'm always working like on the ground or in my mom's carport, which is nasty. And so the tow yard probably thought, man, this guy must have just buried a body when I'm sitting here taking all this stuff out of my trunk. But anyway, so they finally find the keys to the rental car. And oh, and then they're like, oh, it doesn't have any gas in it. And I'm like, really? And I'm like, well, cool. Maybe it's got enough gas for me to make it back to the tow yard. Nope. The gas light was on. So I have to go to the gas, uh, you know, go get gas. And I mean, I made it back there probably like two o'clock. So I had an hour to get everything out of my car. So long story short, I was, I would have been in West Virginia at like 10.45 a.m. And I didn't get there until like five o'clock due to this nightmare of travel. But you know what? It, it's a blessing because, you know, nobody was hurt. Uh, and... You know, I felt fine, you know, I, and what was, I was getting in my head too, cause I was like, is my back hurting just from sitting in the car all day or did, you know, when she hit me, did it mess up my back? But I think it was just me thinking too much cause I was fine. But the next day during the beast, I've been to West Virginia every single year and that was my best beast race I've ever had there. It was my fastest time. My fastest average mile pace. I didn't fail a single thing. And I didn't cramp after the swim. And that is the first time I've ever been to West Virginia that I didn't cramp after the swim. I forget I was like, you know, maybe sixth or seventh in my age group. So, I mean, I was pretty happy with that, you know, because that's usually a course that kicks my ass. And then the super on the next day, I had a really good race too. I mean, I didn't feel, I mean, I definitely felt more tired on the the super on Sunday, which usually I feel like crap on the beast and feel a lot better on the super. But I mean, I could tell in my warm up on the beast, I was like, man, it's, it's going to be a good day. And, and it was, and it was a really cool race. You know, the rig was awesome. You know, they had the ropes on the end of it, the big ropes, and it made it really fun. You know, we, we, I don't, I feel like there wasn't as much technical running there this year, but you know, it was still a good course. We hit a lot of the same trails we usually always hit. And something that they did this year that they haven't done ever, and I've always wondered why, and we would always do it anyway on the sprint, you know, because we would always do the sprint as a fun lap. But, you know, this year we went across that, that metal bridge and did the Atlas carry. But this time when we come back across, 
you know they got those single pathways that are on the sides of the bridge where it kind of goes up to the top of the frame of the bridge and then it goes back down up underneath the bridge and if you've never gone up underneath that bridge before there's like a sitting area and there's like a, some bench tables down there and you can actually see up underneath the bridge really good and so then it goes low and then it goes high and then it goes back down level again you know and that was really cool you know that they added that little bit to it again I mean, a, a lot of the obstacles were in the same place. I think Z-Wall was in the same place. The rig, the spear, of course. Sandbag was in the same place. Um, and the bucket was, you know, the Spartan helmet, as always, which is always a treat. Um, but, yeah, it was a good race. I decided to take the sprint out because I had to get home, and I didn't want to get home late, and I, I didn't sleep good uh, Sunday night, so I just kind of sit the sprint out. So, anyway, that was how that weekend go. And then, of course, this past weekend was the Killington Ultra that I promised and swore and said I wasn't going to do this year, but I signed up and I did it again. And the reason why I did it again is because my buddy Michael and Patrick wanted to go back again and try to get it. Michael's done it once and failed it now three times, and Patrick's failed it three times, counting this past weekend. So we go there and, and we're all pretty pumped, you know, you know, they took the swim out and we were thinking, well, you know what, it might be an easier year there. And, uh, they said on the live feed, you know, kind of like, don't worry about the swim. We found like an extra 2000 feet of elevation gain. So it was, you know, it's going to, we're making up for the swim. It's going to be harder. And everybody was like, well, you know what? I, I hated that swim. And, you know, it probably took 30 minutes to do that swim. And I was like, well, when was the last time you tried to run 2,000 feet fast, you know? <laughs> you probably didn't run 2,000 feet in 30 minutes, especially at Killington on those grades there. So, I mean, if if it was legit added 2,000 feet, you know, I don't, the, you could do the swim twice faster than you could do 2,000 feet, I feel like. But anyway, I, I got about the same amount of feet as I did last year. I got about 15,000 feet, you know. I, I know other people had different readings too. But um, I thought that Killington this year was probably the hardest year we ever had there. It was hot, uh, and of course the, the steep climbs, they were in full sun the whole time. And, you know, counting the Ultra Loop, there was probably five, you know, one mile long ascents, you know. And the Ultra Loop was just up and down. You, you were heel repeats. On, on the side of the mountain and the, the sandbag for the ultra loop was it was it was tough i mean you only had those burlap bags weren't which weren't the heaviest things but you went up this cliff that had like this creek in it and uh it was already kind of broken and like muddy and uh i was running with a guy brent that i met or we met before, but we'd gotten to know each other a lot better this time when we were going up the death march. We realized we'd both come from the aluminum extrusion industry, so we that made the death march go by really fast. And um, so <clears throat> the sandbag carry was, uh, you know, it was up this real broken trail, and it was already muddy. I failed twice with the sandbag, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm here pretty early, and I was like, I hate to see this sandbag carry when the last ultra person comes through because it's going to be death you know because it was a tough it was a tough carry all the carries were tough the bucket to me was probably the hardest carry there and uh 
you know, I want to say like, I was trying to watch my watch when I was get, uh, gaining elevation, and it seemed like I got almost 200 feet of gain on maybe the bucket carry alone, if I remember right. But I don't know what was going on with these buckets. So I don't know if they filled it up when it was raining and the gravel was wet and it had like some sand in there with it. Because when you shouldered this bucket, the bucket's just constantly just pissing on you. Like water is leaking out of the bucket. And on the first lap, I mean, I was like, holy crap, this is like one of the heaviest buckets I've ever picked up. And I mean, of course, it was getting lighter by the second because, I mean, it was just draining water. And everybody's buckets were doing that if you were carrying it on your shoulder, you know, and... So finish that carry, and then the last carry was right before the finish line, and it was on the snowboarding half pipe. You picked it up at the bottom, you walked up one side of the half pipe, and then once you got to the top of it, you went down it, and then you come back down the other side of the half pipe, kind of like they always do in Tahoe every year, but we started at the bottom and not the top. But anyway, I had a great first lap, a great first lap. Uh, I was fueling good. And I was trying to hit my gels more often than usual because I wanted to make sure I was ready. I was properly fueled for the second lap. And I told myself, you know what, I'm going to give it about three hours, you know, just easy pace, you know, where I can talk and, you know, just kind of chill and then kind of work myself out after three hours. And uh, I come into transition I think it was like five hours and 20 minutes, something like that. And, you know, I was drinking, I say I was drinking enough water. I was sweating a lot too, but every aid station, I was getting a cup to a cup to two cups, every water station, every water station. I made sure to do that. I don't take water with me. I use SIS gels and those are water-based too, which I mean, there's not a lot of water in it, but they're water-based. And when I got to transition, uh, you know, I was going to drink some Perform Elite like I, like I always do. And I finished that off and drank that. And I tried to eat, I tried to eat and like immediately just got nauseous. Like I didn't want it, you know, and I was like dry heaving a little bit and I was like, this is bad, you know? So I grabbed, I had two honey stinger waffles and I'm like, well, I'm just going to start walking out of here. I'll take these with me to see if I can just chew on them very slowly and I managed to get one honey stinger waffle down and it was like a cookies and cream flavor which I, 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 I'm not crazy about that flavor but um, I had them so I was like well I'll just use these and uh, I managed to get one down and then like I tried to start on the next one and it was like I was just chewing on it and I was like I just can't do it you know so probably another hour goes by and my buddy Tim Mazur, he was running the beast, but he did like a 50-mile run the week the week before. So he said he was going to come out there, and he says, man, I'm going to run my beast lap and try to keep up with you on the second lap. And so when I saw him out there, I told him, I was like, man, you're going to be if you're going to stay with me like this lap, I mean, you're going to be walking a lot because, I mean, I was, I was feeling it. Uh, but like an hour later, I got like another gel in me, and I like I had to sip on it. Like I was taking just the smallest sips on this gel. It probably took me like 15 minutes to finish it. And uh, I was thinking if I can get through the first five miles, because the first mile of, or the first hill 
was probably a mile long. It was right after the barbed wire, and you just went up underneath the ski lift on Bear Mountainside until you got to the top. And then you turned around, and you come back down, and then you got to the bottom of the death march, and then you went up the death march from there. I can't remember what it was, but like with it was either within the first three or four miles, I'd already had like 3,500 feet of gain. It was, it was insane. Um, and when you got to the, you didn't actually go all the way to the top of the death march. Because if you remember the death march, they have that really, really steep hill right there at the end. That's usually kind of technical. And uh, before we got there, it kind of banked off to the left. And then you went down a little bit and did a couple of obstacles. And then they put you underneath another ski lift and you come all the way back up. And that hill right there was like never ending. It took forever to get back up that hill. And... You know, me and Tim were coming up that, and I finally just had to, like, sit down and take a break. And, you know, I was starting to just dry heave, just thinking about food. Like, there was nothing that I wanted to eat. Like, if I had a choice of eating any kind of food at that point, I couldn't have ate it. I, I tried to put one of those sport beans in my mouth, and, like, as soon as I put it in my mouth, I, was, I just started dry heaving. So, you know, we make it all the way up to the top, and by this time, you're at the gondola and there's a water station at the top of the gondola it's right there up underneath it pretty much and i was like this is my last time i'm going to try this and i i was going to i squirted a whole gel in my mouth and i was going to just try to throw back some water and wash it down all at once well when i did that i started throwing up for about five minutes you know and it just dry heaving constantly and so I finally, we sat there for probably like, I don't know, 15 minutes or so. And if, if, if that, I mean, I was thinking about quitting and I was like, if this gondola went down to the parking lot where our car was parked, you know, cause that gondola went to the K1 lodge where they're doing all the construction. We started at Bear Mountain Lodge. I was thinking, you know what? I'll just take this down. And I was like, well, I can call Leanne and get Leanne to call Michael. And then I was like, well, what if Michael's still running? I don't know. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go into survival mode, you know, and just try to finish this race. So we start going down, you know, and that's probably the worst of the climbs is over at that point. I mean, there were some more steep climbs, don't get me wrong, because I swear you go up more than you go down at Killington. And, but they're just not, there wasn't as many sustained climbs after that point. And it seemed like every time we'd get on a climb, my heart rate would go up a little bit more and that would make me kind of nauseous. But I mean, I could still, I still had a great pace going downhill and on the flats, but I just really had to be cautious going uphill. And, uh, but you know, we ended up, uh, finishing out and about three miles from the finish, uh, like Philip, Philip Mintak caught up with us and me and Tim and him, we all kind of ran that in together, finished the first, uh, carry, the last carries, which I was dreading, you know, I thought the, the last two carries were going to kill me just, you know, not having any fuel and already feeling like shit and knowing that was going to jack my heart rate up really good. I was just really sweating that, you know, but I mean, it, it by the time we got down there, it really wasn't that bad, you know, and, uh, I was just really amazed. I was able to finish that race because the whole last five hours of that race, I, I had no fuel whatsoever. And even after the race was over, I had, I drank like a half a fit aid at the water, at the finish line. And later on, I drank like a half a ginger ale and I didn't eat nothing the whole night. I got up that next morning and destroyed some freaking pizza though, 
I was starving when I got up the next morning, but I couldn't stomach eating anything that night. <clears throat> so, my buddies Patrick and Robert didn't finish the race, and they're pretty sure they don't want to try it again. But, you know what? If they decide that they do, I'm all for it. Last year, I had a bad taste in my mouth about doing this race again. I just didn't have a good mindset when I finished this race, you know. And even though as horrible as the second lap went, the second lap went during this race and how I felt miserable, I finished that race thinking, you know what? If if we do this, I could do this again next year. So, and that was what I wanted this year. I wanted to finish this race and not like hate it, you know. And I mean, goal accomplished. And unbelievably enough. Even after all this and slowing down as much as I did, I still managed to get fourth in my age group, which I was amazed by. I mean, it just goes to show how tough that race was. I mean, I got countless people that have done that race every year have said it was the hardest this year that it's ever been. And so, um, but yeah, I think Patrick, he didn't make it to transition. And I think he made it to transition, but, you know, he, he was like right there on the line, so... And Michael made it to, like, mile 21. I think he said he twisted his ankle and his toxic shock syndrome flared up. So he decided to tap out at the water station right before the death march. So, I mean, I'm all for going back next year. So, I don't know if they are. So, we'll just, we're just going to see. But I'm all for it. I had a good time. It was a great race. I met a lot of people out there that were listeners. And I just want to thank all y'all for coming up to me and say what's up. I really appreciate it. A super big thanks to my buddy Tim and Jimmy and, and, and Mintac, seeing all of them out there on course on the second lap. It just gets your mind out of it, and it helps you, like, you know, kind of not focus on what's going bad, and you just be like, you know what, we're going to finish this. And that's what we did, and it helped a lot just seeing everybody out there on course crushing it. But anyway, I've been talking for about 22 minutes here, so that's way too much. Mm-hmm.